Welcome to the Mercy Hill Church Podcast. This podcast is a collection of sermons and conversations intended to stir up your affections for Jesus. We hope this content helps you know and tell the story of Jesus better. If I don't know you, uh, my name is Drew. If this is your first week, uh, first time visiting Mercy Hill, I'm sorry. I'm not the pastor. Um, Our part-time pastor will be back next week. Um, Brandon over here. That was a joke, by the way. Um, um, I got the privilege to to talk to you all today about, uh, in this Advent season, today is the uh, the Sunday for Joy. So we're going to talk about that uh, in just a moment. But before we get into that, I want to first take you back to October 19th, 2012. On that day, a world record was set for the largest gathering of people dressed as characters from a TV series. And it happened at Destination Star Trek in London. And This was the first time that all the captains from the series got together on a single stage, and it made the news because a wedding happened at this convention. And while uh, a Star Trek fan getting married is probably newsworthy enough, um, the reason this one uh, made the news was actually because this was the first time a wedding was ever conducted completely in Klingon. See, there it is. See the lovely couple? Um, So when you and I hear something like this, uh, about something like this going on, most of us respond with the thought of, you know, it's possible to take a story a little too far, right? I mean, it's nice if you like Star Trek and all, Um, You can be inspired by it. You can be entertained by it. But let's let's not get too far. After all, it's just a story. Now, if we're being honest, that's what many people think about Christians this time of year. The Christmas story is wonderful, right? Um, It's heartwarming. In fact, it's nostalgic, But let's not take it too far. Let's not be too literal. After all, the Christmas story is just a story, right? Now, into this reality, we're going to look at the first letter of John. Now, John uh, was one of Jesus' closest disciples and followers. He was one of the 12. He was an eyewitness to his death. In fact, uh, depending on how familiar you are with the, uh, with the Bible story, uh, John was the one, while Jesus is hanging on a cross, John is the one that Jesus commissions to take care of his mother. Now, most Uh, Most historians uh, will date John's epistle, his letter that we're going to read a section of, about 60 years after Jesus' crucifixion. So John is well on in age at this time, and he is writing uh, to a group of churches who are being challenged with a type of false teaching that denies the incarnation. 
Now, to be clear, what they denied uh, was not that it ever happened, not that Jesus was ever born. That was uh, irrefutable. What they denied was that this Jesus was fully God and fully man. And they denied that this Jesus, once crucified, then was resurrected again in bodily form. And so John is writing this account um, to uh, be crystal clear that this story that starts with Christmas, the story of Jesus' life, his death, and his resurrection, isn't just a story. It's a historic account. And beyond that, John makes the claim that this Christmas story is a story that you can build your life upon. In fact, he will say it is the key and the ultimate source of long-term happiness and joy. So let's read together the very first of John's first uh, epistle, his first letter, John chapter 1. That which was from the beginning which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest, and we have seen it and testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. Now, this theme of joy is actually a major, it's not a, not a word that we use very frequently. I mean, everybody knows the definition of it, but you, know, you don't ask somebody how your week was at work and they said, oh, it was joyful, right? Like, we don't use it very often. Uh, but in the Bible, joy is a very frequent theme. In fact, the word uh, joy occurs some 400 times throughout Scripture. And biblically, joy is found regardless of circumstances. Uh, it happens, joy is found in extreme poverty, um, joy is also found uh, in suffering, like when Paul was in prison. Um, joy is found in persecution, uh, like when Stephen is being stoned to death. It's pretty remarkable, actually, uh, and, and something I think that we can all gr agree that each of us seek, this kind of unshakable joy. And yet it is so elusive to us, Right? Um, we tend to think that if we could just get to this destination, if we could achieve this set of circumstances, this end goal, then we could relax and find joy. You know, if I could just get this position at work, or if I could get into this school, or if I could just marry this certain person or this certain type of person, then I could be happy. If I could just get to this point of financial independence or freedom, then we decide which job or which car or friend group or series of business calls or body wash or whatever it is that'll get me to that end goal. And I will argue that no one's really immune to this. It doesn't really matter uh, if you're a Christian or a non-Christian, if you're wealthy or poor, 
We all want something more. So as we get started, just as a point of reflection, let me ask you, what is it for you? What destination have you decided on that you believe, in either in your mind or in your heart, that you believe if you get there, you will have joy and delight and fullness? And then how are you trying to get there? Now, if I'm being honest, I tend to believe in my heart that as long as my kids are happy and healthy, and our family is good and tight, then I'll be happy. Then I'll have joy. And if I could just get to the point of financial freedom where I could spend more time investing in those relationships that are the most important to me, then life would be good. Now, listen, the trouble is not that we have aspirations. The trouble is that we have a chronic dissatisfaction with the present. We're constantly pursuing ultimate satisfaction and ultimate joy in things that were never intended to satisfy. It's a problem we all have, and it's the problem that the Bible simply calls sin or the human condition. And it's to that problem that John says, one of the implications of Christmas That is, one of the things that Christmas means is that joy isn't a destination to be reached. Joy is a gift to be received. And it's one that is found in relationship with God and with his people. So we're going to work backwards uh, through through this text, um, starting uh, starting with uh, the, the second half and then going into the first half. So we have here John, the Apostle John, in his old age, in his experience, and in his wisdom, and he says that complete joy doesn't come from having things, it comes from having relationships. Specifically, fullness of life doesn't come from knowing about God, but from being known by God. Look at uh, the second half of verse 3 with me. Let me, just, let me just read the whole, the whole verse. That which we have, seen, we have heard and we proclaim also to you so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Now, this word fellowship is another one of these. This is a very churchy word, right? Um, it, in the Greek, this is the word uh, koinonia, um, now, I don't know like, what, what images you know, conjure up in your mind when you hear the word fellowship. If you grew up in the South like I did, you probably have some sort of image of like pot, pot roast, pot, uh, you know, potluck dinners uh, with little old ladies running around uh, serving diligently in the fellowship hall, right? Um, but that, that's kind of an unfortunate image um, in the sense that what this word meant to, uh, to John's original audience wasn't that. What this word meant was actually deep face-to-face intimacy. It's strong shoulder-to-shoulder partnership, generous hand-to-hand giving, 
Greeks often use this word to talk about intimate love relationships. Very different than the, than the fellowship hall, right? Anything that happened there. Um, Romans often use this word most commonly for business partnerships among family. The New Testament uses this word to talk about intimate relationships. It uses it to talk about co-laboring in the mission and to describe believers sharing their possessions with other believers when there's need. Sometimes it's translated fellowship, other times uh, sharing or partnership. So John says, what is it that brings perfect delight? face-to-face community with God and his people. What brings complete joy? Shoulder-to-shoulder partnership with the Trinity on mission to bring about order out of chaos. What brings fullness of life? It's an open-handed sharing of resources with God and his people. See, the Bible says that complete joy isn't from having things or knowing things. It comes from knowing and being known by God and his people. Think back with me for just a second to uh, to Adam and Eve, God's original plan for humanity. Think back to life before it was shattered by sin and death and the fall. What do we know about them? They were naked and unashamed. They had face-to-face intimacy with one another and with God. They knew God. They walked with him. They talked with him. They had intimacy with their creator God. They were sent on a critical mission by God as image bearers to bring about his kingdom and expand it around a chaotic globe. John would say, that this Christmas season, don't seek joy in something temporal on your own. Seek joy by accomplishing something eternal with God and with his friends. Now, a couple of practical, couple of practical thoughts here, and then we'll move on. Um, the so far, the thesis I'm making for us is that we will have increasing joy when we are increasingly experiencing koinonia, or fellowship, or relationship with God and with other people. So let me say it again. We will have increased joy when we are increasingly experiencing fellowship with God and with other people. So therefore... The Apostle Paul would likely encourage us to think twice before signing the kids up to a yet another extracurricular activity instead of joining or engaging in our missional community. John, knowing that koinonia can uniquely fill you with joy and energy, would say, Maybe we should think twice before we declare ourselves too tired or too busy to spend time with him in Bible reading and prayer. 
John, understanding how we are designed and created and understanding how koinonia or relationship with God and with one another alone brings joy might say that attending worship is more valuable for your long-term joy than getting a jump start on that getaway. Parents, would you like to enjoy parenting more? <laughs> God help, I would. Uh, w- w- would you like to experience more delight in your parenting? John would say, I think, understand and remember how parenting uniquely advances God's kingdom today and in the future. John would say, sit face to face with God and pray about your parenting and your children. Sit face to face, shoulder to shoulder with other believers, holding hands with them for encouraging, to encourage one another in the crucial aspect and the crucial mission that is parenting for the glory of God. Do you want to enjoy your job more? Do you want to uh, find more delight or more fulfillment in your work? I think John would say spend face-to-face time with God to understand, uh, understand from God why he's called you to this role at this time. John would say sit shoulder to shoulder with other believers and brainstorm what it looks like uh, for me to advance the mission of God in what God has currently called me to. John says, whatever is going on in our lives, if we want more energy or more joy, more contentment, more satisfaction, more peace, John says, it will come in relationship with the creator, redeeming all things through his son and those who are walking with that son in the same direction. We experience more and more joy when we experience more and more koinonia. So that's great and all. How do we do it? How do we receive it? How do we enter into that kind of, that kind of fellowship, that kind of relationship? Here it is. We open-handedly accept it as the free gift it is that is offered to us. That's it. We just receive it. Verse 1. John is talking about the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus here. If you remember, the, the John that wrote this letter is the same John that wrote the gospel, the fourth gospel. And in the fourth gospel, John's, uh, the gospel of John starts off, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, right? And here in, in this epistle, he, he starts off in a very similar way. He says, the Word of life was from the beginning. Jesus is clearly referencing Jesus, the life of Jesus, and the message of Jesus. And then verse 2, the life was made manifest, and we have seen it, and testify to it, and proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. Now listen, we're not told here that Jesus Christ 
has eternal life or even that he gives eternal life. We're being told that Jesus Christ is eternal life. Now, in every other religion, there is a chief prophet who says, if you want eternal life, if you want everlasting joy, then follow this law and you can achieve it. Walk in these steps or follow these principles and joy can be yours. Follow my teaching and you too can become one with God. Every other religion says, do you want to live in everlasting joy? Then just do this step and then this one and then this one and this one and then you can get to that destination. But Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. See, Christianity doesn't say that Jesus is a great prophet pointing the way to God. Jesus Christ, according to John, is God come to save us, to do for us what we can't do for ourselves. To know him is eternal life. It's not like he comes and you follow him and you do the things you should do and, and you live the life you should live and then God blesses you, then God saves you. No, he is the life. Look how John makes the case for this. Verse, verse 1, um, he says, um, we have seen him with his eyes, we've looked upon him, and we've touched him with his hands. Now, this, is a, this word, touched him with his hands, um, it's a rare word. It's kind of a weird word. In fact, uh, a better translation would be, we've groped him with his hands. And the only other time that this word is used in the Bible is in Luke 24, and it is when the resurrected Jesus appears to the fearful disciples in the upper room. Remember that? The doubting Thomas scene? Um, that Jesus says to them, see my hands and feet, touch me, handle me, grope me, essentially is what he says. Uh, spirit does not come, does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. And then... On in verse 2, the life was made manifest, and we've seen it. Now, this word manifest is also interesting. Um, this is the same word that both Mark and Luke use at the end of their Gospels to describe how the resurrected Jesus appeared to them. He was made manifest to them prior to his ascension. So John, you see, isn't, is talking not just about the birth of Jesus, but also about his life, death, and resurrection here. He's not just using poetic language. He's not being sentimental. Uh, John's language is actually a little bit more akin to the language that might be used in a debate or in broadcast news or in a case trial. In fact, uh, one New Testament scholar and historian uh, he says, says this, uh, the variety of verbs that John uses correspond to the variety of witness attestations in ancient jurisprudence. And so when John writes, 
we have seen and testify to it. And then he speaks of hearing, seeing, and touching. He's not making conversation, but virtually swearing a disposition. Listen, how do we, how do we grasp joy that is more lasting, that lasts a little bit longer than the stuff that's under your Christmas tree so that if we're being honest, is really just fodder for future yard sales, right? How do we get joy that outlasts the two dozen AAA batteries that you're going to go through this month? John says, you need to come face to face with the reality, the fact that the infinite became an infant, that he lived a life of faithfulness and joy, one that you and I fail to live every day, that he died for your sins in your place, that he was raised from the dead, conquering not just death and not just sin, but evil and brokenness itself. That he put his spirit, that same spirit, the same power that raised Jesus to the right hand of God the Father Almighty, he put that spirit inside you, God's people, to enter into relationship with you. And now he sits at the Father's right hand, advocating for you, praying for you, interceding for you, singing over you. Listen, friends, there is nothing better, nothing more joyful than knowing that the risen Christ lives right now in heaven, singing over his people, singing over you with joy. Every other religion teaches, I have to do things to get blessed by God and to find joy. The gospel teaches that Jesus has done everything and I already have the blessing of God. All I have to do is accept it, to believe it, to experience that relationship with God and his people. If Christmas is just a nice story, then you're on your own. But if the gospel is true, as John says it is, you can be saved by grace. Joy can be yours this Christmas to the extent that you receive God's gift to you, to the extent that you believe it, and to the extent that you enter into that relationship with the triune God and with his friends. Thanks for listening to the Mercy Hill Church Podcast. To keep up with the life of Mercy Hill Church, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. We believe the Christian life is best experienced in community. If you're in our area, we'd love for you to join us. If not, we'd love to help you get plugged into a local church near you. Have a great week.